Shalom, or peace to you all. It's your brother Paul, and welcome to another leg of our pilgrimage with Abraham, our father in faith. Please add me to your list of favourites or subscribe if you are enjoying the series. The greatest help you can give is to spread the word. Just tell one other person about the series and spread the faith. Simply go to www.pilgrimshub.com where you can find even more material and other journeys to venture on. This episode or leg of the journey, I hope really inspires the woman of the world. The woman in this story was the most beautiful woman in history, but there is another kind of beauty and we should all aim to gain this inner beauty. We last left Abraham in Bethel, the house of God, with his tent and all his followers, who are now all converts to the one great God, El, the father of all things. Note that Abraham is travelling inland but down the River Jordan. Bethel was probably located near Jerusalem. It is parallel with the top of the Dead Sea. Abraham spends time in Mamre near Hebron, meaning heights of the friend, the friend here being God. Here Abraham camps, but he travels on to Negeb, meaning dry land. Then a famine comes over the land. Abraham now lives at the bottom of the end of the Dead Sea and finds that in order to survive, he must move to Egypt. If you are just joining us on this journey, for a fuller understanding of the journey, please start at episode one of the Abraham Father in Faith series. You can find me on Spotify also if you are out there walking the dog or just driving in your car. Here we rejoin Abraham and our spiritual journey. We can see that God has revealed himself to Abraham and a friendship is formed. But after this revelation, a spiritual dryness sets in. Drought takes over and God cannot be heard. Abraham, like us in times of uncertainty, is wandering down the chakras and has now ended up outside Egypt, which was a dominant ruling empire of the time and full of prosperity. If anyone listening knows anything about farming during a drought, you can be sure that Abraham was a refugee. Egypt, throughout biblical history, has always welcomed people in the times of drought, a common occurrence in the region. Like the Israelites later on, we often think that in times of doubt and uncertainty, we tend to find ourselves drifting back to our old ways. It is natural. We spread out our roots like a tree searching for moisture and lose sight of the sky where the rainfall will one day come from. It's all natural to do this. We live in a world, so when hard-pressed, we must do what we need to survive. But Sarah comes into her own here, and we must not overlook her journey in faith. Her name at this time was Sarai, and later changed by God to Sarah. Sarai, meaning my princess, her path is just as important as Abraham's. At the birth of Isaac, she will now become the mother of nations. She stands on equal footing with Abraham as the father of nations. 
something many faiths have neglected to recognise. This journey she now will go on will attest to such a claim. Until now, she has stood by Abraham as he has turned his back on false gods, and so too has she. The only converts Abraham had in her was Sarah and Lot. Sarah has taught their followers, families and workers about God and converted them, but now they have nothing. Abraham now asks Sarah to pretend to be only his sister and not his wife. In those days, it was not uncommon to marry close relatives. We must also get the reference to her being a princess, but in order to understand what was really going on, we need to combine traditions and open our minds to the times that they were living in. As much as some extreme Jewish and Muslim followers would like to have Abraham as a patriarch without sin, it simply does not add up, and it's not necessary. Only God is without fault. Obviously, Abraham is at fault from here on. In fact, the minute he left Canaan, he failed to put his faith and trust in God, that even during a drought God would provide. There was no provision, so Abraham does what any normal man would do and acts according to his best judgment. But it is worth noting that the false gods, who as you remember are the elemental gods, are even higher than the celestial constellations. They could control the weather and climate. It was perfectly appropriate thing for a god to do. However, Abraham's god ill was not providing for him. Abraham and his followers are dwelling in a land not their own, and to survive it would have been necessary to trade well and be respectful to the other cultures and owners of the land. This custom was practised in all areas, and God later advises the Israelites to do just this, that nobody should be treated badly. Unfortunately, this is not the practice with refugees today, where either the refugees do not respect the customs and the cultures of their new homes, and many countries are unwelcoming of refugees. Israel and Palestine have a lot of work to do. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 18. The Lord defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens. For you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. God is close to the homeless and needy. It is up to us to provide for them and assist them. Abraham had been welcomed in Canaan and the mutual understanding and respect for one another enabled him to be accepted. Now on entering Egypt, he has no friends again and in a foreign land, but this time he will be powerless to protect his wife and followers. Egypt too must live by this code. And it does, but a beautiful wife could pose a problem. In order to have his wife, they would have to kill off Abraham. And this woman is so good-looking, he's worried. He advised Sarah, among her tears, to only say that she was his sister, and even goes on to explain that this will work out better for him, and if things go wrong, it's not a lie but it certainly is deceptive and he clearly is only thinking about his own safety. Instead of praying and trusting in God, Abraham, now in a desperate situation to avoid starvation, plans his survival. It's understandable, but what he has asked Sarah is so hurtful, you could do an opera or a love story movie on this and have the whole audience in tears. She agrees.
The young princes in Egypt do pick up on the fact that a very beautiful woman of Persian descent is in town. Sarah could literally have been a princess and some Quran interpretations would indicate that she was. It does not surprise me at all to read that she can't fail to be noticed by them. And the princes then inform their father, the pharaoh. So as the custom does, pharaoh befriends Abraham and Abraham gets on well with pharaoh and the priests in the area. His plan is working. He is in an elevated position and he teaches the priests and wise men about the stars and how the signs in the heavens enable him to know that there is one true God. Do not underestimate the intellect and knowledge of Abraham. Today we often refer to the Greek scholars and thinkers like Pythagoras, Socrates and Aristotle, but Abraham had all their knowledge and more. He carried charts that explained the original concepts of the stars, their influences, movements and an original Chaldean. He had full knowledge of mathematics and dreams. He is recorded as having lived in Heliopolis with the Egyptian priests. Heliopolis means city of the sun. It was noted as the centre of sun worship and its god, Ra, was the state deity. Later the obelisks known today as Cleopatra's needles were built there. They signify eternity and immortality when translated. This refers to Ra and Horus. Where do you think these monuments are today? They went from Heliopolis, built by Thutmose III, to Caesarea of Alexandria by Cleopatra VII. They stood there for nearly 2,000 years before ending up in London and New York. As I mentioned before, the sun and moon and celestial signs have relationships with our buildings, societies, religions and businesses of this day. Many are deliberate. Abraham's popularity and knowledge enables him to do well in the region and he has the true knowledge. He is a descendant of the blessed line of Noah through Shem. He holds the knowledge of the truth, but other cultures and nations also have truths. And his exposure to these other cultures helps to form a fuller understanding of God. Living in Australia, I am aware of some of the beliefs of the Aboriginals and their dream time. Their respect for the land, like many other ancient religions, will no doubt challenge us through the next age to respect these practices and in doing so incorporate them into our faith going forward. God did not come to reveal himself to the Egyptians, although we can see from their many gods and prosperity that this was a great age, it was one whose old ideals and practices had to be ended. It is Sarah who is now brought before Pharaoh and to live among the false gods of Egypt alone. Don't miss the symbolic meaning of all this. She is offered half of the kingdom of the world. Not surprising, Cleopatra may well also have been a beauty queen, but what really makes Sarah stand apart is her virtues. Much as I respect all faiths, the one thing that I find the most disrespectful to God is just where they place woman in some faith traditions. 
the Jewish, Muslim and many Christian denominations do themselves a great disfavour in the lack of recognition of female patriarchs. If you do practice these faiths, it is not against your faith to give recognition where recognition is due. We all know that many ancient pagan religions have both male and female deities, but under the formation of a monotheistic religion which later becomes a trinity, the feminine presence was all lost. This, in my belief, is evil. And if you are a Christian and think that Catholic or Orthodox religions have this wrong, please listen first to what you may have not been picking up on. Eve sinned first, and don't all women know that? But rejoice, all women, for you are greater than you think, and Sarah and many women in the Bible will show you why. In Judges chapter 4, Jael takes a tent peg and drives it through the head of Sisera, Sisera meaning servant of Ra. Gideon, after being told to take up arms and fight this tyrant, needed Deborah, the prophetess, to come along with him. He was supposed to kill this evil man but lacked courage and a beautiful innocent mountain goat, J.L. meaning mountain goat, lives in the mountain area, sees through this snake of a leader, Sesera, who takes shelter in her tent. She gives him warm milk to recover, then asks God for strength to kill him. While he rests hiding under a blanket, she takes a tent peg, hammering it through his skull. There are so many more great stories of women, but I use this to demonstrate what God is revealing to us. Women are full of virtues. This is why the rosary starts first with the Our Father prayer, as taught by Jesus in recognition of God. Then it states just who Mary was. She was full of grace, blessed above all women, Sarah, 2,000 years before, is a virtuous woman, beautiful to behold, but her demonstration of virtues is a role model for us all. What are virtues? Prudence or wisdom, referred to as Sophia. Solomon wrote all the love songs to Sophia, wisdom and its beauty. Justice or fairness. Fortitude or courage. Strength. Ability to confront fear, like J.L. Temperance or restraint, self-control, moderation. There are three more, faith, hope and charity. Seven virtues actually written down back in the time or around the time of Aristotle and Plato. No one is sure when they first came into being. Opposing these are seven deadly sins. Balance. To be perfect, we must reject sin and master virtues. How can that not be worthy of recognition? We all are willing to acknowledge Abraham as the founder in faith, but by his side is truly one who is his equal, one who has mastered all the virtues and therefore mastered sin. Eve may have fallen for it, but it is a woman who stands up to the same false god, with her faith like Jael, no pharaoh is going to con her. Her wisdom and perception can see through all. Brokenhearted and betrayed by her husband, yet favoured by the ruler of the false gods, in her lavish accommodation and her surroundings, she has everything. 
It is Sarah now who must reject all worldly influences and false gods and reject Pharaoh himself, when all of this could be hers too. Sarah seeks not the kingdom of this world. Alone and deeply hurting and with no assistance, she turns to God, the God in her heart, and prays for deliverance out of an impossible situation. This is her trial by fire, but really a trial by sorrow. Abraham rejected by the society in her, Sarah feeling rejected by Abraham and God. God answers Sarah's prayers from the heart as he did Abraham's trial before Nimrod, where death would have seemed inevitable. Pharaoh suddenly realises that his kingdom is being attacked by plagues. Being a descendant of Noah himself like Nimrod, he knows that Noah's God, the God of Abraham, is responsible and demands to know what he has done that would make Abraham's God curse them. And here he finds out that Sarah was already married to Abraham. How bad was all this for poor Sarah? Well, she would definitely have been hurt by Abraham and his breach of his loving commitment to her, but she would not have been hurt by Pharaoh. In Pharaoh's time, he would have had many concubines. They lived in the Jarrett house. His house was a palace of learning, in fact, His own children would stay there. All the women who did things around his palace were well looked after in this house, or mini university, if you like. They could come and go, but they had always escorts with them to protect them. There was competition between the woman to be good enough to be picked by the pharaoh for the royal bloodline. To have a child from pharaoh would elevate one even more. Note, here the reason for a delayed relationship with Sarah was that Pharaoh wished to marry her, a princess. He could have just added her to the concubine list, but concubines have no entitlements. If they had children to a ruler or patriarch, the child would be assigned to the wife that the concubine was assigned to. So for Sarah to leave now and go back to Abraham would have been a step down. We read later in the book of Esther just how good these surroundings were. Woman should never feel guilty about going to a day spa. You could spend seven days soaking in perfume, being pampered by eunuchs to your every whim before gaining a night with a king. And that would have been after all the months of preparation before. Like a royal wedding, even today, big preparations have to be made and this would take quite some time. All of this takes months before Sarah would be called upon to visit the pharaoh. But Sarah too shows this was not the life she wanted or that God was asking of her. God had answered her prayers. She has demonstrated faith. She has demonstrated hope. She has demonstrated charity in teaching the other women and children about God. To stand before the pharaoh when you don't want to demonstrates fortitude. She restrains herself from the temptation of being the queen of Egypt and the empire, now for possibly the harder part, justice, and her ability to forgive Abraham for the mess this had got her into. Grace. 
The Christian meaning is free, unmerited favour of God for the salvation of sinners and bestowal of blessings. Think about that. You don't deserve it. Every woman listening to Sarah's story understands they'll have to take a deep breath, hold their tongue when Pharaoh releases her to Abraham, now decked out with his camels and wealth, with no punishment from Pharaoh. Hello, darling, how are you? It's a lovely day and don't you look good in that cloak? You have done well for yourself. It's so nice to see you. Grace, if only we all had it. There is a purpose to this venture, a far deeper one, one of the heart. No doubt Abraham had to make amends, but Sarah's grace is able to forgive him. God once again has a plan and he is watching over them all. In the Hindu text, this is because everything is set in place. It was meant to end the practice of having multiple wives, with some rulers having wives numbering in the hundreds. Given the success of Abraham, it would have been expected for him to have lots of wives. But now we have a commitment. A repentant Abraham only seeks his true love, Sarah. He only takes Hagar as a wife after not being able to conceive with Sarah and only on the death of Sarah does he take Keturah as a wife. We now have done away with multiple gods for everything and replaced them with one god and now God wants marriage to be an institution between one man and one woman. Pharaoh gives Hagar to Sarah as a parting gift. Sarah in turn offers Hagar to Abraham but he has no relationship with her until a later time, when they stop trusting in God's plan. Hagar, just who was Hagar? The plot thickens. This was no mere accident. Thank you once again for listening today. I hope this helps you with your journey of faith. Remember to share with just one friend the good news. And God bless.